gentlemen, welcome back to the Prince Podcast here on Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean, and boy, do we have a special guest today. We are joined by the legendary Mr. Levi Caesar Jr. Sir, how are you? Man, I'm great. All right, we're we getting hyped up, man. I'm, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, you know, we've been following you for a very long time, and you almost, I hate to say you were like an unsung a hero in the Prince camp, but I don't know how many people know a lot of your story, but uh, I know for myself, I've definitely been watching you for a long time, and it's a pleasure to have you come on today and, and share with us, and we definitely respect your time, so shout out to you, brother. We, we got a lot of love for you over here. Oh, man, I appreciate it. All the love. I need all the love I can get. All right, all right. <laughs> well, man, let's, let's, get start, right. let's get started. I want to change it up a little bit. Normally, what I do is I like to ask, you know, the background where a person come from, and we are going to do that with you. But I, right now, I got to satisfy one of my own sort of curiosities uh, and questions I always wanted to know about, man. And hopefully you can speak on this. Can you give us a little insight into the flesh? Uh, if, if hopefully you know what I'm talking about, there was some recordings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, to give, can you give us a little background on what that was? Because I mean, we don't wore out some of these little songs and, and, and music that has leaked out. Particularly, uh, you know, you got to shake something. Uh, man. I, yeah, yeah. That's a cold, <laughs> that's a cold, cold one right there. <laughs> and uh, man, that that yeah, that was a great experience, actually. When I was recording it, I didn't really know what it was for. Mm, okay. Because we were, we would go to Sunset Sound. This is when I was with Sheila. Mm-hmm. And Prince Prince would invite me to record with him, which, uh, I mean, I was so honored to do that, man. He's like, yeah, come by the session. So, you know, Sheila and Wendy, Lisa and Prince and uh, Eric Lees. And then we just get in the studio and record literally all day and night. And, you know, back then they had those two-inch tapes. So, right. you know, they didn't really last very long. You know, you may have uh, 15, 20 minutes on a, you know, per tape, depending on what speed you're running at. And we just, he prints like, okay, uh, let's let's start jamming. And then later on, he'd give it a title. Wow. You know, but when I went in there, man, it was just, um, hey, Sheila, start with a beat. Levi, come with the bass line, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we were actually... I guess creating it and writing it as we were playing. He always taught us to produce our parts. He said, never just jam. Okay. You know, always play like you're making a record. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun, man. And uh, it got it gave me a chance to see the play the playful side of Prince. Because mm-hmm. if you're here on the record, I mean, he's just having a ball, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not that not that it wasn't fun when we played concerts, but you know, it was a little more intense. There's a lot of things to remember and whatever, but when we when we did the flesh sessions, man, it was just like let's play some funk, let's have some fun, and let's go. Now, like, how structured was that? Because when I listened to like that track, you know, you got to shake something, and I want to say that's like almost 15 minute jam. How much of that is structured, or are you guys just sort of playing? Because it seems like you know you guys are jumping into different parts and stuff. Or was that some of that rehearsed before? Or? Not one iota of it was rehearsed. Wow. But that's what I was saying earlier. You know, he always taught us to to produce our parts and, and think like you're making a record. So instead of us just jamming anything, you know, like if he said, Levi, 
you know, come in with the base. I'm already thinking ahead of time, like what would fit here? Sheila was thinking what would fit here. And then when you get everybody thinking like that, it sounds like it was actually rehearsed, but it wasn't. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I I, I, I hear what you're saying. And it was great practice, man. You know, great practice to pay attention Mm. and play as a unit instead of playing. You know, sometimes you hear, and I'm not not discrediting anybody, but sometimes when you hear people play, you can tell, like, they're not being a unit. Mm. You know, Prince always taught us always be a unit. And so that's what you're hearing, but no rehearsal, man. Wow, and there was a lot. You mentioned there's a lot of great musicians that was in that room at that time. Of course, Prince, Sheila, yourself, Eric Leeds. Uh, we said Wendy and Lisa, Wendy and Lisa. was in there. Was, was yeah. Fink, Doctor Fink, in there as well, or in that particular one? Uh, no, he wasn't there. He wasn't there okay. for that one. How did yeah. that feel for you? Obviously, you was you had been working with Sheila already. Um, had you had already played with? Uh, anybody else in that room, like Wendy and Eric and those guys? Um, no, man, that was really my first time playing with, um, you know, that, that side of the Prince world. Okay. I mean, you know, we had the Bay Area side, me and Sheila, mm-hmm. but that the whole Minneapolis side, that was really kind of my first time, like, doing that kind of stuff. But Prince had been watching me. You know, Prince would fly up to, to San Francisco a lot and sit in on our rehearsals. Okay. And, you know, Prince is uh, very intuitive, you know what I mean? He's paying attention to everybody and what they may be able to bring to the table or not bring, you know. So maybe, you know, at our rehearsals, he said, oh, you know, I'm going to bring Levi to the sessions because I think he might be able to sit in on the sessions, you know. So he's he's always planning stuff. Interesting. Yeah. So to, you, yeah. you brought up the Bay Area, and I want to definitely get into that. You know, so just going back a little bit. Um, well, first let me ask you this, as in, in joking. So you know, you have the mini, you see the Minneapolis squad of people, and then you have here come the Bay. Who who rocking the hardest? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well. Let me. How do I say it? Uh, well, you know, I just let I'll just let um, the facts speak for themselves. Okay. You know? Okay. If you if you go back and you look at all of the people that were inserted into that Minneapolis thing, a lot it was a big percentage of it. I would say maybe thirty five, forty percent was from the Bay Area. Mm. Mm. I mean, when I'm talking about in, in his entire career. Okay. Okay. I mean, you know, you got Larry Graham and Sheila, Miko, Bonnie. Uh, me, uh, who else? Uh, there's an organ player out here, Sandra Manning. Um, the whole, I mean, at one point, he had the whole Sly and the Family Stone band, except for Sly. Wow, yeah. Yeah, you remember when I did the New York show? Uh, okay. Good Morning America, something like that, yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> and then he re- recorded, recorded what the first album out, <clears throat> first or second albums out there, I believe, I believe right? It's also yeah, 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 he yeah, yeah, he had a lot of love for the Bay Area. Yeah, um, yeah, he he's always talked to me about the Bay Area. You know, Tower Power. He loved uh, David Garibaldi. He, uh, he would just say, "Man, listen up, this drummer, man." You know, uh, and then of course, always sliced on Santana. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the Escovito family. So he had a lot of love for the Bay, man. That's what's up. 
Talk to me about the, about the Bay. Uh, you guys did bring a lot to the table. And, you know, I would say, of course, in, in musicianship, of course, like in hip hop and a lot of different things. But what was it like for you? I mean, t- talk to me about Levi's, you know, upbringing in the Bay. You, you know, you're from Richland. Richmond? I'm sorry. I'm yeah, Richmond, California. Richmond, yeah. California. How did you get into uh, being a musician and playing? Start, did you start with the guitar? Yes, sir. I started at the age of six. Wow. Uh, my, my grandmother, uh, she was one of the first um, female pastors in the area. You know, back then it was, you know, mm-hmm. they, don't, they didn't want any, any females being pastors, but she was a pastor. Our church was called uh, Green Pastor Church of God in Christ. And she was very progressive, man. She didn't want a quiet church. And uh, she said, hey, you know, um, when I was six, she said, listen, I want electric music in my church. And so my cousin, his name is uh, Eddie Hurt, and uh, what she did is she she started us off on cigar box guitars. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. So what they did in the South, they would get a cigar box, and they get two, um, two pieces of wood, and then they would string the tip of the wood to the box. So when you hit, when you play the strings, it would reverberate inside of the box and actually create a tone. And so that was my first guitar. It was a cigar box. Damn. Okay. I never heard of that. Yeah. That's someone. That's, that's some. Go back. Yeah. That's some. That's some intuitive black stuff right there. That's how we get down. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, um, she saved us some coins. wasn't a lot of money going around back then. Right. And Radio Shack, they used to sell uh, guitars, basses and amps. Mm. So she went and purchased two guitars. And what she did is she took, I don't know if you know much about guitar, but the, the heavy strings on the guitar, she put all of those on one of them. And then she strung up the other one like it's normally strung. So my cousin played bass on another guitar, and then I played guitar on the guitar. And we started, and she taught us two songs. You know, and they have very simple chords. It's kind of like the scene in the Ray Charles movie okay. when the when the little boy is watching the old guy. He's mm-hmm. and the old guy is paying attention to him. He says, "Oh, you like music? Come on in here." You know, he says, "You know, it's only three notes you need to know." Right? That was the same thing for me. My girl, you know, she's like, "Hey, you need these three chords, which was really the basics of the blues, and you take it from there." And so that's what happened, man. Okay, wow. That's how I got, you know, kind of going. And then in church, we had a lot of um, ear training. Okay. So, I mean, there was no there was no music, you know, music sheets, nothing like that. So what would happen, it might be a, a, a older lady in the church, and she'll just stand up and start singing, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So you had to find the key she was in and then figure out what the chord progression would be to accompany her singing. Right, and if you didn't do it right, the church ladies with the big hats would slap you on the back of the head. That's all the training <laughs> you need. Right. That's it. Let Brother Green play. You ain't ready yet, right? So, you know, after five five or six years of that, you get ready pretty quick. Right, right. Yeah, that sadly, that's uh, that's missing a lot these days, man. That that whole what you just described, right? There. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, you know, I started playing in uh, junior high. Okay. I didn't really tell anybody that I, I was a musician. I was kind of on the under, 
And then in high school, I played, joined my first band in my junior year. The band was called Pushing. And uh, the bass player is uh, EQ, Eric, Eric Young from Confunction. Wow, really? Yeah, we were in the, yeah, we were in the same band together uh, called Pushing. And, and from there, I, um, oh, I started playing with Rosie Gaines. Okay. You know, uh, yeah, we had a little snap, and uh, Rosie was pretty hot in the Bay back then, and um, so we played. We did that for a year or two, and then my first big break happened one night after Rosie's show. So this is uh, it's about one in the morning. I'm taking my stuff down, and I'm looking. In, I, I looked in the back, and I said, "Man, that guy looks like Don Cornelius. Hmm. Man, but what, what would he be doing here in this small club in El Cerrito?" Uh, it's called Earl's uh, Solano Club. Hmm. And so I'm looking, right? I'm like, man, I, that's him. So I'm walking closer, and I said, excuse me. I said, you're talking to right? <laughs> he said, yeah. And I said, man, oh, my God, what what are you doing here of all places? And he said, I come to hear you. Wow. And I said, really? How did you even hear about me? He said, well, you know, you know, we've been getting around that, you, you know, you, you play guitar pretty good, and I wanted to see for myself. And he said, you know, I had some business in town, but while I was here, I decided to come over. A lot of people don't know this, but Don is a uh, was a music producer and wrote a lot of the, a lot of songs that came out during the heyday of uh, Soul Train. Okay, he was uh, he was in cahoots with Dick Griffey, mm-hmm. you know, sold our records and stuff. So he he was very very versed in music production and writing. So he put some bands together. And he wanted me to be part of the band. And so anyway, make a long story short, I guess that was my audition that night without knowing it. <laughs> wow. Now, just to, so, to put things in context, what year frame is this? When is this? In the 80s, I'd imagine? Oh, uh, man. Uh, this, is, uh, this is like 80, 81. Okay, wow. Somewhere up in there. Yeah. And for the younger yeah, I listeners... I might be off a little bit. Of, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I was gonna say, and for the younger listeners, Don Cornelius... That, you know, the creator of Soul Train, which I, I hope that you've heard of. If you haven't, go look that up. But, you know, that name rings out. Yeah. You know. Just want to make sure they know who man, we're talking about. Man, a great man. He really helped a lot of people, man. So so you can imagine, man, I'm, I'm just in shock that this is happening. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you a funny story. So at the time, I was working out at um, Chevron, a oil refinery. Okay. Right? I had, a, I had a regular gig. I didn't want to be a starving musician, you know. <laughs> So, I did, you know, I wanted to play, but I wasn't going to start. I hear that. So, um, so Don, he says, yeah, man, I got this band, and I want you to come up, and we're going to start, you know, rehearsing pretty soon. And, I, and I'm hesitating, right? He's like, you're not excited? I said, yeah, I am, but I work a job. He said, you work? <laughs> I said, yeah, man. I said, man, I'm not going to be no starving bitch. <laughs> and he started laughing, and he says, well, I'm sure whatever I'm paying you will be more than that. I said, I don't know about that. I work out at the oil refinery. Okay. I said, I'm making, you know, I'm making money where, you know, adult money or retirement money, you know? You know, and he started laughing. He said, you know what? He said, I'll match whatever your yearly salary is to get you started just so you could try it. Right? And on top of that, he gave me a little writing contract so I could start writing songs, you know? So I'm like, you know, I guess it don't get no better than that. So I took a chance. Yeah, that's so that was my first professional uh, situation. Wow. Now, let me ask you, how, yes, did that, how did that feel, though? Because I can understand, you know, you working, you got a job, you got a good job. 
you got your benefits, you come, you know, and I, and you know, as, as us, as black folk, we raised, go get that good job, you know, all of that. But then you have your musician yeah. thing, you're doing your music thing, and, you know, here comes the situation. Obviously, Don Cornelius, but it's like, how did that feel to you where you didn't know, okay, I ain't got to get up tomorrow and go work for, you know, the man over here. I'm going over here and do my thing. And I'm curious, too, like, the, the work ethic. Like, how did you say, okay, I'm going to be disciplined to do this? Yeah, uh, you know, um, I had I had always been serious with the music because I started at six, you know. Yeah. I, I ne- but I never got into music to make it. I just always loved it. And I said, I'm not, no matter whether I'm working or not, I'm always going to play and mm-hmm. I always want to grow as a musician. Um, but at around 16, you know, I started getting into a little bit of recording. And I realized that if you're going to record kind of like Prince, you know, he recorded multiple instruments. I'm like, if I'm going to do that, you, you know, I have to have discipline and I got to kind of push myself to do it. So around 16, I really had that in in my mind, like, you know, Hey, you can, you can play talent is one thing, but you got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. It seems like when I would read stories, it was always the people who put in the work that got to the next level. Mm-hmm. It's very few stories of, you know, man, I didn't really do much and everything just happened. Right, right. <laughs> it, it, it's a few stories like that, but not many. Yeah. Um, what did your, uh, yeah. I'm curious, what did, what did your grandmother think uh, of, you know, this you know, this new thing coming into you, to your life there? Oh, yeah. she, um, you know, she was, uh, she was excited about it, but back then, you know, the church was a lot of different than it is now. You know, right, right. everybody was like, that's the devil's music. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like, you know, they see the Ray Charles where they're like, you can't, right. you can't take God's music and turn it into, it was a little bit of that. So it was a bittersweet reaction. <laughs> okay. Okay. But she was happy. You know, she was happy about it. It was my father who really, um, um, he's not with me anymore, but he was my father who really, he, I had a conversation with him. I said, dad, you know, um, should I go do this? You know, cause I mean, I don't really want to be irresponsible about things. I'm excited about it. And he listened and he said, well, let me tell you something. He said, you're going to do it <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't spend all those years listening to all of those bad notes <laughs> while you were learning to play for you to get opportunity and say, no. Mm. So, you, you're going to do it. And then if something goes wrong, I got your back. Wow. Okay. You know, we'll work, we'll work that part out and you're young. So, cause my father had dreams of doing things and he didn't want to see me go down the same path. Okay. Cause you know, you know, he, he, he had us relatively young and you know, he wanted to be an artist, but you know, he had responsibility. So he had to push that to the side. Mm-hmm. So he said, no, I'm not going to see that happen to you. So you got to do it. And I got your back. That's amazing. So if it wasn't for that conversation, I would have stayed at the job. Wow. Yeah, shout out to your dad. I, I assume that's Levi yeah. Caesar Sr. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Now, I'm just curious because we're getting on, the, we're talking about parents and stuff. Do you have children yourself, kids? Yes. Okay. I have four children. Oh, okay. What's the, what's the ages mm-hmm. real quick? You ain't got to say their names or nothing, but what, what age range? Oh, yeah. Uh, from uh, 15 to 34. Oh, okay. You got some grown kids. <laughs> I, I, I laid a little seed. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't mad at that. All right. 
Um, they call it. Yeah, I love I love children, man. That's what's up. So um, during this time, and this was maybe around eighty one or something. I'm curious, had you had heard of Prince yet at this point? Okay, no. Uh, yeah, I heard of Prince. You know, I um, there was a theater um, in the Bay Area called a Circle Star Theater. You know, the one that it, it keeps turning. Okay. You sit in one spot and the stage turns. That was my first time seeing Prince. He was opening up for Cool in the Gang. Mm. And <laughs> it's funny that I ended up playing with him because my first impression of the Prince thing, I mean, he came out in underwear. <laughs> right. And uh, I, I, Andre Simone had clear pants on. <laughs> right. I mean, I haven't seen anything like this. So I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, I mean, it sounded great, but I was like, I just wasn't, I had never, I mean, I was church boy, you know, okay. mm -hmm. I'd never seen anything like that. So I, I didn't, I know, I never thought that I would end up uh, playing with him now, but what happened after the Don Cornelius thing is, um, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. After Rosie, I jammed with Sheila for a few years in the club before she was Sheila East. And then during that time, she left and she went on tour with Lionel Richie. Mm. And then she hooked up with Prince and did Glamorous Life album. Mm -hmm. Now, right after that, in between Glamorous Life and um, um, Romance 1600, she, had, she was in San Francisco. I hadn't seen her in a while, right? So I stopped over and I'm like, hey, Sheila, I'll just come over and say hi. And that particular day, she was auditioning for new band members. So she had to replace a few people. So I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, she's like, yeah, just sit with me. Let's listen at some of these players, right? So I'm there for about an hour, and uh, she says, um, man, I'm not, I'm not getting what I want, you know? And so at the time, she was auditioning bass players. Mm. And so she said, you know, just for me, I heard you play a little bit of bass because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting what I want anyway, so just audition for me on bass. Cause she only know me as a guitar player, right? So I'm like, oh, Sheila, you know. Oh, okay. So I just went up there, right? I kind of knew the feel she was looking for. Prince has a very, um, like, if you listen to Prince records, the groove on the record is very specific. Right. You know, the, the way he lays his funk down, right? So I kind of understood that kind of funk. So I went up there, and the song was uh, Love Bazaar, because that's one. It's like, that song has this kind of, like, we call it rumbling bass sound. Okay. So I went up there, and uh, so she says, okay, auditions are over. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, listen, I know you play guitar, but I need a bass player right now, and that's the sound I'm looking for. Would you do it? And I'm like, oh, I mean, you know, of course I say yes, you know. She looks my girl. And so I'm like, okay, so that's how I got into her band. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. That was, uh, and hopefully you can clear this up. I'm a big, I love like Raphael Sadiq, and Tony, Tony, Tony and all that. Were they also in this band or at some point playing with Sheila as well? Yeah. Yeah. That's the next step. So, okay. so now I'm in Sheila's band and, um, and then she, she had me do the auditions after that because we needed, um, See, we were looking for a drummer and, uh, oh, yeah, we are looking for drummers and keyboards. Now, the time, the time, like, we have to really sit down and, like, really nail the timeline. 
But um, so anyway, you know, when I joined Sheila's band, I was in the band for like a year and a half, and that's when Raphael them came in the band. So we had the second audition. Okay. So um, so what happened was, so I'm doing auditions, and uh, now I'm back. I'm on guitar, and so um, so Raphael comes in, and Tim, and then their cousin. Uh, Carl Wheeler. I yeah, don't, you know, yeah, Carl Wheeler, yeah, the yeah. bad organ player. Yeah, mm-hmm. he plays for Mays now. Okay. Um, so he just came. They said, "Oh, can I cousin audition too?" And I'm like, "Sure, sure." So, so man, um, I didn't know really what to expect, man. So, uh, they said, "Oh, the other thing," they said, "Can we all audition together?" And I'm like, "Sure." Man, they came up and nailed it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it was it was like a hundred people there that day coming for different positions, and so after they played, I'm like, oh, auditions are over. I went upstairs. Sheila was doing some business or something. I said, Sheila, she said, what you doing up here so quick? I said, oh, it's over. We we got the three cats. <laughs> wow. And she said, are you sure? Because there's a lot of people out there. <laughs> I said, come on down. Give me ten minutes. I think we're done. So we, you know, I kicked off Love Bazaar, man. They came in. It was greasy, man. <laughs> and uh, and that's how they got in. Wow. Now, and then, th- go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so during this period, and, and I'm trying to piece a lot of things, and I want to get that timeline together, too. So you guys was jamming Love Bazaar. This was before or after Romance 1600 came out? After. After. And then... Uh, okay, so let me, let me ask you this, and you can give me the timeline. There is a video, the Romance 1600, you know, that home video was the concert. I remember it came on yeah. MTV at one time. And at the end of that video, you know, Prince comes up with the revolution, and you guys do uh, Love uh, Love Bazaar. So, right, I, yeah. I, now, at that time, yeah, Ralph... Raphael, they were not in the band at the time. When I say they auditioned on the song, that was just a standard thing no matter what the time period was. Okay. You get what I'm saying? So I was still on bass at that time. So, and then they came in right right after that. I got you. Well, just to go back to that Love Bazaar yeah. performance, though. Uh-huh. Uh, now, mm-hmm. again, as a fan, I'm, I was sitting at home. I was a young boy watching that when they came on MTV. Blew me away. I was like, whoa, what the... You know, Prince, they they crazy. What's going on here? Y'all did the wooden leg and this and that and the third. What yeah. what was that like for you guys? You know, it looked like the melding of two bands together on stage is Revolution and Sheila's band. I mean, how, did you guys, I assumed y'all rehearsed all of that beforehand. Yeah, that was, that, yeah, we, yeah, we rehearsed everything. We very seldom that we just, get up there and just start jam. You know, we do that jamming in the studio or, you know, rehearsal, but not on stage. Prince doesn't go out like that. It's got to be tight, you know? Right. Yeah. So it was, it was incredible, man. I, I, you know, I was pinching myself the whole time. I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, this is actually happening. And, uh, and and Miko was was in you guys' band too, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Miko Weaver. Man, he is a cold. Funk Meister. Yeah, man. Woo. <laughs> Many of stuff. Yeah, you I know, don't... that's what I mean. That's another big, another big. Ba- okay, no. there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, then you guys said so you had Raphael and them the band. Now, did you guys go out on? Yeah, that? 
that last that Japan tour together? Was that uh Yes, yes we did. Yeah. Um we um we yeah, we were opening up for uh Prince. Um and some say that was that was sort of our audition for Sign of the Times. Mm, okay. So, because I was, uh, so it was me, you know, Bonnie, Bonnie Boyer, mm-hmm. and Sheila, and, you know, he pulled us into the Sign, Sign of the Times band. Yes. All right. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. Yeah, and getting into that, so, that, and that's my era. That's when I really was like, ah, you know, I, my eyes were so open, mm-hmm. my ears was open. Going into the uh, Sign of the Times band stuff and also Madhouse, right? Mm-hmm. Talk to me about, uh, I guess, this would be the 16 album. Uh, you played on, you was on right. that too, right? You, was, you were part of that group. Mm-hmm. What, was the pro- yes. what was the sessions like on that, for, for that album? At that time, we were all pretty comfortable with working with Prince. You know, so you over the nervous jitters and things like that. And Prince, he, you know, he trusted us to just do whatever we do. Uh, if he didn't like something, he would, you know, he say, "Hey, try it like this track." So it was a very open session, and um, we all sat around and, you know, I'm like, "Oh, I have an idea." Uh, or Prince was like, "Oh, I got this idea. Eric will come or something." And we just kept working until we got the project done. I mean, most of that stuff came together within a week, you know. Really? It wasn't, it wasn't a long period of time, no. Because we were recording all the time. That's what a lot of people don't know is, you know, we'd have these, you know, 10-hour rehearsal days. But after that, we'd do at least another four or five hours of recording per day. Mm. So, so recording was just like drinking water, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It, it, I mean, really, we did it that often. It was that regular, you know. And you, yeah. you, you so talk, it was very comfortable. Okay. You talked about the nervous jitters. What, what, I mean, what was that? Just actually playing with Prince and he's in there? Or what is that? What do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, it, it was, I mean, I'm just saying we got past that. You know, anytime you get in a new situation, and especially when you're dealing with somebody who's, like, sometimes, man, I, I sit back and watch Prince. I'm like, how is it possible that one person could have this much talent? Mm. I mean, in, in, every, in, every, in every area. I mean, singing, dancing, playing, writing. And, you know, it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, and you have to imagine that you're sitting there and you're watching it and he's doing it so effortlessly. And it's just, I mean, he's writing songs. I mean... He'll write, you know, hit songs in an hour or two with, and record them, you know? So it was a little mind-boggling. So what, what it was, it, it wasn't nervous like I was like a talent show nervous. It was more like I hope that I can play at a level that he's satisfied with. Uh, I got you. I got you. What, what was it like, yeah. um, so leading up to the Sign of the Times, you know, putting that new band together, and you know, back then it was a new everything, right? The look was different, the, the clothing, mm-hmm. uh, the sound of the music. Uh, you guys had that legendary, uh, you know, sort of dress rehearsal performance that you know, for us hardcore fans, we know that word for word. The performance, you know, we watched the bootlegs and this and that. 
What was that? If you can remember that night at First Avenue, what, what, what was that night for you guys to actually be the first time playing it out in front of a, a big audience, that sign of time sort of show? That, that night was incredible. Now, in hindsight, I was, I was so happy when we actually got past the night because when, when you got to understand, like when we came to Minneapolis from San Francisco, there were a few musicians in Minneapolis that were, you know, they were kind of hurt behind that. Because, you know, a lot of cats were like, you know, they felt like, hey, you know, you know me, I should be next in line to be in your next band. And you go all the way to San Francisco and pull some cats instead of us, so they better be good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I it's like, no, blow our cats off. <laughs> so... So when I when I started to sign the time rehearsals, man, like oh, I give you a funny story. So I I went out. I, you know I want to see where, where's First Avenue. You know I'm, I'm kind of a tourist too. You know, <laughs> so I go on the First Avenue and I'm a country dude, man. I had on some plaid shirt, you know, just regular clothes. <laughs> so I walk in there and I'm like, hey, is that Prince over there? Because everybody dressed like Prince. <laughs> You know, I'm like, is that really sick? I mean, you know, and it was just just regular people dressing like, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> so I'm kind of in the corner, right, trying to. I was like, I love cranberry juice, so I'm in the corner drinking my cranberry juice, and I can hear, you know, some of the band bandmates mumbling. They're like, man, who's this Levi guy? Really? Man, I should be doing the bass gig, and brother, you know. It was just healthy competition. You know, man, Prince should have gave me a shot and the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, let me keep my butt at home, <laughs> right, or at, or at the hotel until we play. Wow. So, anyway, after we played, after we played, a lot of musicians came up and said, man, you know what? I was a little salty and a little hot, but, y'all, you know, y'all pretty good, man. So, good luck with the tour and everything. Mm. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. Because there was a little tension there for a minute. <laughs> really? Interesting, interesting. I'm trying to put the names yeah, together yeah, yeah. in my mind. Like, who, who was over there hating? But, but now I hear what you say. <laughs> so, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That and and you guys had uh, and just to shout people, you had Bonnie, Sheila, uh, Doctor Fink was was still in the group. Uh, Miko, right? Me, uh, uh-huh. Eric, Eric Lee, Solana Bliss, Solana uh, Bliss. He had Cat. Yeah, Cat was Cat. Yeah, uh, I think that's mm-hmm. everybody. I mean. And that was a very different sounding band than the Revolution. You know, what you guys brought to the table was very different uh, than the Revolution. In your opinion, what did you think was, mm-hmm. what was like the differences, some of the differences sonically and, you know, and everything between the two bands? Prince was, at that time, uh, how do I say, I want to say this correctly. Like, he wanted to get into a lot of different forms of music. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Prince as a musician, I mean, he's just, every year he's growing. So, uh, at the time, he wanted uh, something a little, I think we were a little closer to a Sly in the Family Stone type of sound. Okay. But with, um, not not side sound, but uh, that influence. Of course, you know, Prince is the, the, uh, the master there, directing all of this. But a little bit of that, but... We got into blues, jazz, you know, fusion, jazz fusion, mm-hmm. playing a lot of really uh, complicated arrangements. And so, and he, he mentioned that. He says, you know, I'm trying to 
really pushed the band to go to these, you know, different areas, these different levels. Mm -hmm. And so he felt like he could do that with us. Right. Okay. Okay. And um, I'd imagine you guys must have played together all the time. Uh, Because one thing that always stands out to me when I listen to some of the stuff is it seemed like, and I I think I can point to the, um, that New Year's Eve performance with like Miles Davis. And one of the things Mm -hmm. that jumped out to me during the sort of the longer jam part, right after Miles left the stage and when he was up there, it almost seems like you guys had all these little uh, things Prince could call out and you would, you guys would jump into just these little grooves or, you know, different little things. Rumble, young man, rumble. And just all these different little things. I was like, man, how many like little things he got in his back pocket that the band, you guys obviously just knew to just like pop. You could go into this and the groove would change and you pop back into this. Uh, talk to me about in terms of the, the, the rehearsal and, and just watching Prince on stage and knowing when to, you know, jump into things how 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 much of that i mean how much work was that to get to be that tight i guess well you know we all had a little bit of training with that okay. but but when we got with prince though he really used the, like whatever we knew and then on top of that he added a whole bunch of stuff because in print you know for prince and he always said this in his interviews you know the bar for him was never the current artists that were out. <laughs> mm-hmm. The bar for him was James and, you know, Sly them and Fleetwood Mac and all, you know, the, 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 you know, the classic groups. Right. That was always the bar for him, not what was going on current. So he, he told us like, hey, y'all listen to all of the new records, that's cool. But in here, we always gonna be sort of a little old school. And I'm gonna teach you guys how to play that way and perform that way. So even if we didn't have one light, you know, one of, you know, the show lamps and stuff, even if we didn't have that to show us within us, we don't need a bunch of, we had a stage, you know, we had stages, very elaborate stages, but Mm -hmm. that's why he could go to a club and be just as entertaining because the show was always in him. And so in order to have it like that, you got to practice and you got to go over and over things so that everything is just second nature. But of course, he had, he had, Prince had, um, for example, on any given song, he had like four or five keys that could totally rearrange any given song. Okay. And we had to watch that while we were playing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do, man. Mm. Um, he had something like he clicked his heels to try, and I mean, like, repeat something or, he hold his fist in the air. We get ready to stop, and of course the on the ones and all that, and uh, and then he would do this like wave hand, like he you know it's like a wave motion with his hand, and then that meant to insert an arrangement that he had given us at rehearsal. <laughs> Ooh, wow! But we don't always do it like that. So if he if he do that wave the hand, you gotta you know, and so it was. I I don't even know how I remembered all that stuff back then. Now, did did did, like did, I, I, yeah. did being Doc help you remember certain things, <laughs> or the fear of being Doc? Did that yeah. help you remember? Um, no. It, I mean, you know, when you're a little younger, you can retain things more. I got you. Um, but it was really all of the practice, and um, and then you know, Prince was like, 
I remember one time, uh, I, oh, before, it was the very first um, show I did with him. And uh, I told him, I said, hey, you know, good luck tonight. He said, don't say that. Mm. I said, well, what, did I say something wrong? He said, it's not about luck. He said, we're going to do a good show because we practice. Mm. I like that. If you, if you got if you got if you got to rely on luck, then we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's a t-shirt I right said, there. You know what? <laughs> yeah, that 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 makes some sense there. So yeah. I always embrace that. And he said another thing. Oh, because one night, man, we we did we did like a three hour show, and then um, he said, uh, and we we like at the end of the show. I don't, I'm trying to describe the feeling I had. I, I wasn't physically tired, but my brain was exhausted from, you know, I'm like, okay, we got through all of it. And Prince laughed at all of us one night. He said, oh, you guys tired, huh? Uh-huh. He said, but let me tell you something. The show ain't about us. The show is for them. Mm. He said, I don't really care if you guys are having fun. Ah. <laughs> I said, what? He said, I don't really care because it's not about that. He said, I don't always have fun on stage. I'm not here to have fun. I'm here to to be excellent at my craft and to entertain the audience. And, and, and perhaps, you know, when they leave, they, they kind of lifted their spirits a little higher. Mm. You know, and I, I said, you know what? You're right. It's not really about us. Our mission is to 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 entertain the audience and make them feel better about things, you know. Right. And so he was he was just, you know, it's 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 hard to play at that level, but you know when you do it, it's very satisfying. Yeah, man. Yeah. And you realize you're just not up there just hitting a bunch of notes. All this stuff's supposed to mean something. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, he was a man. He was a real one. He, he said, it "Ain't about how we feel." Oh man. <laughs> Oh yeah, no joke, man. Don't yeah. Um, so you know the sign of the times. We have to move forward a little bit, but the sign of the times show was so spectacular, and you guys had the stage, and of course, you ended up doing the movie and, and all that stuff. But one of the big things that I always was bummed out, at, you know, as a fan here in America, y'all didn't get to come to the states to do that. Uh, I'm just curious to you as a band member, did you guys were you ever like sort of longing to like, man, I can't wait to take this on the road in the States. Yeah, but I'll tell you something that's weird, but I swear it's true. Because <laughs> people, like many years after, they say, you know what? You guys never played the States. And, you know, I had to think about that for a second. I'm like, oh, we didn't. You're right. <laughs> Man, because we, we were playing so much, I was losing track of time. Mm. Or what, what tour we were on, because we just going, going, going. And it didn't hit me to like I played seven, eight years later. I'm like, wow, that's right. We never toured the States with the Silent Time show. And then I, I'm like, oh, yeah, that would have been a good thing for everyone to see in the States because it was one of my favorite shows. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. What, what, did it, uh, what was it like? Now, again, I don't know how it works and, and how you guys may obviously be hearing music way before we, the fans, got to hear it. But at whatever point, the Love Sexy album uh, is coming into play. And I, obviously that's sort of skipping over things like the Black album and other things that probably were happening. Yeah. But but what was that like when it was like, okay, here's what the stage is going to look like and, you know, we got to work on this one. Did you see that as a 
huge sort of like, whoa, or was this like, okay, this is another thing we got to learn and, and let's get into it? No, that was a whoa moment there. Because <laughs> we, we, we had, we had, um, we had great production, but that Prince, like he, uh, we took a break and he says, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about for the, the next tour. And it's going to be in the round. And, and he was telling us how he's going to have a car driving around. And, you know, that was his, uh, his dad had a Thunderbird like that. Mm-hmm. So he said, I'm going to make a three quarter scale model and it's going to actually drive around. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> and, uh, so we were really blown away with that. And another thing aside, note that I think is important, you know, if we did a six month tour, we usually rehearse six months in the China times, three month tour, we rehearse three months. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know many people who do it like that, but that's what, that's what, that's how it was. Wow. Six months of practicing, rehearsing, whatever. And yeah. how many times, obviously during that time, there had to be a lot of changes. You know, I think I heard Eric Lee say that, you know, you would come in and do it one way and then like you might come the next day and it could be. Oh yeah. Different. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. So, so I remember uh, on every tour, so like Saturday times, three months rehearsal, the the very, the, um, the second day of the tour, Prince is like, okay, I got a bunch of notes. We need to change some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right? Now we have, we got this, we, you know, we've been rehearsing for three months to do this show and we're like, what? You didn't want to change a bunch of stuff? And he, because he watched the entire show every night. Mm. And then he would come with pages of notes. He's like, okay, on song five, take out the second chorus. And you got to remember this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Edit, take that out. Okay, on song 10, I wrote a new part for that. Here, ready? Here we go. Wow. And we're like, okay. I mean, it's like 17 of these things. And we got to do it, make the changes that night. Mm-hmm. And not only for the band. So any music changes we made, that meant the sound guys, the lighting guys, Stage props, everything. Wow. And we and so we're doing this every day of the tour. <laughs> oh man, you know <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot, man. I'm telling you, man. And this is just the show, right? Then we had a club set, you know, we play after right. clubs. Yeah, so it was oh it was intense, man. So you guys are at operating at such a high level at this point to be going on all cylinders, being able to be flexible to, you know, rearrange things. I mean, the, the you just brought up the after shows. I wanted to get into that. Like, so doing a show like Love Sexy and then coming back hours later that same night to do another blowout jam session, how did you keep up the stamina, you know, going for that? And maybe it goes back to what you said yeah. Prince told you. It ain't about how you feel. <laughs> it's... Oh, yeah, and then I had another duty to do. I did, you know, Princeton do no interviews. Mm, okay. So guess who did his interviews? I did his interviews. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know what I mean? So we do the show, the regular tour show, then the after show, and then I'd have to get up at, you know, 5.30 in the morning and get down to the radio station in town to do the interview. And then sound check is at 2 o'clock. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 
I don't I don't really know how any of us did it, man. But well, y'all did it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and of course, some of the uh, you know after shows of this period are legendary out here in these streets. <laughs> mm-hmm. I imagine I'm sure you have heard of these, but the one I don't know if you remember the one. Um, is that the Trojan, I believe? Uh, a lot, they, they call it small club, different things over the years. But, I mean, there was, you know, Just My Imagination uh, was playing yeah. that. Uh, Still was Dan All Time. Do you remember playing a lot of these after shows? And do you remember, like, I, I don't, well, I guess, ask, do you, are you aware of uh, how fans listen to those and praise those shows? Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, now I am. Okay. Uh, it wasn't, I, like I said, man, it it was like, man, I felt like I was in an Avengers movie. You know how they can play with time? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they can go back in time and right, right. like, man, a lot, a lot of stuff I didn't really realize until maybe 10 years later. Um, I talked to fans and stuff and they're like, man, this show and this show, and I forgot that we had actually played a lot of these shows. Mm. And they're and they playing this stuff, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that night. <laughs> I remember that, too. And then they had have, they have copies of things I never I never heard. You know, we play in and leave town, but they, they were making, you know, archives of this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, it was very eye-opening for me that the after shows had that kind of an impact, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, man. The, yeah, I, I studied in Bad Boys. Boy, uh, there's one part. <laughs> there was one part that's uh, uh, Miko. It's you and Miko. And he sounds like Prince. Say something like uh, Miko, give me the Crips or something like that. And then he's like, "All right, mm-hmm. Levi, I want you to rumble with that." And he's like, All right, Prince. I was like, "Damn, them brothers." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's was, uh, it was, it was pretty special time, though. And another thing, too, that always stood out to me was as I started to see kind of you moving, like, um, I remember, like, when the, I want to say it was the Batman album came out, and you started to see your name was, you know, co-produced, you know, co-production or something. I remember, I think it was the song Sex, if that's what it was. It was like mm-hmm. a B side, and I think yeah. it said they was co either co written or co produced by Levi. I was like, oh shit, Levi! Now nah, he's you know, bro, <laughs> <laughs> stepping up, he's leveling up. And uh, what was that? Oh, you know, becoming, yeah. you know, beginning, you know, started getting into doing production for some of these other artists that are coming through and stuff. Well, you know, um, I had actually been doing um, production and writing almost literally from the beginning. It's just nobody really knew about it mm. until later. Like, you know, Sheila's um, third album, uh, you know, she had that song, Touch Me, and yeah. Love on a Blue Train, and Honey Man, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, like, Prince did half that record, and we did the other half. Um, and then, of course, all of the flesh sessions. I mean, Prince, so... Uh, let, let, me, let me stop you, you right know, there. I'm going to stop you right there for a second. Go back to that Sheila record, excuse me. Which songs did you... You, you said Honey Man. Honey Man is my cut. Now, did you, you wrote that or you played on that? Yeah, yeah, I wrote it and played on that, yeah. Um, so me, me, me and Sheila kind of wrote that. Yeah. And, um, 
Wednesday like a river, soul salsa. Yeah. Um yeah, and then Eddie Minifield wrote that touch me song with her and um That was like so, a big hit. You know, that was a big hit back then. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it did okay. Yeah. So um I mean we were doing, you know, so the writing thing has always kind of been there, but then now Prince told me, man, like when I when I joined his band, because this is like after the flesh sessions and all that stuff. He said, Yeah, you, I see that you like to produce and write. He said, So I'm a, this is this is my offer to you. He said, Listen, and I, he had made me his M D at the time. So he says, Okay, so you gotta get all the rehearsing done. That's your regular job and you're the M D, you gotta take care of the band. Now, an hour after we finished, every night, Prince would eat, eat out dinner, and then he'd say, I'll be in the studio. If you want to write songs and produce with me, I'll see you there. If I don't see you there, then I know that that's, you don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I was, so the first time, I'm sitting there waiting on him. <laughs> he said, oh, okay. Okay, and so we did a uh, we did a lot of a lot of material actually, you know stuff on the Graffiti Bridge album mm-hmm. with the time, um, the, of course the Madhouse stuff. We did some Japanese artists. I mean it was a lot of tunes. I, I say like uh, maybe thirty songs that I was able to um, over the years t- collectively. I mean all of them went hits and stuff, sexy MF and stuff. Right, so right. we. Uh, you know, you know what I mean? So I was, man, I was blessed to to meet somebody like him that would just be that generous, man. Right. And, and, you know, because, you know, Prince don't need no help, man. Right. <laughs> right. He, don't, he don't need no help. That was clear to me. He can do this by himself. So I was just honored to, like, okay, man, whatever you need me to do. But, yeah, so that was a whole nother thing of, you know, really pushing yourself because, man, Prince, man, we wouldn't get out of the studio till five or six in the morning. And then rehearsal was like 11 o'clock the next day. Jeez. So it was intense, you know? It's like, man, when do you get time to like wash your clothes and go to the <laughs> bank? And, I mean, you know, <laughs> wow. So, and, yeah. uh, you know, so some of the songs um, that is kind of jumping out, you mentioned the time. Uh, so, were you doing like what? Um, shake. Uh, oh, I did um, release it. Release it. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. And a song called "Love Machine." Love Machine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Love Machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I caught. Yeah, I wrote those two with Prince I on see. on that particular album. Mm-hmm. And and just and diamonds and pearls. Diamonds yeah. and pearls. Yeah. But just real quick, since you brought up uh, Graffiti Bridge in your in your recollection or you know experience what was there what was it like that whole process of, of making that movie and stuff oh man I, I was like i was in the classroom on that one because uh you know here i am watching a movie made from start to finish from concept to the end so i'm like wow it's a lot of uh out of work you know there's a lot of pieces to make something like that happen so um uh, it was a great experience for me, man. I, um, but like I say, I wasn't really in classroom mode. I'm just like, wow, wow, you know, mm-hmm. you know, trying to put all this together, how all this is done, you know. Wow. And um, during the, you know, I guess maybe the editing of that movie, you guys sort of transition into uh, the new tour, right? 
And yeah, even with that, you know, it's more lineup changes. But I'm curious, going back to your original work with Rosie Gaines, how does it come about that here now Rosie's in the band? Did you have a hand in that as well? Yeah, I did. Um, so after, let me go back a little bit. After the Love Sexy tour, you know, that, that band sort of disbanded. And there was a period of time um the prince was like okay levi we need a new band <laughs> and so um so i'm like okay uh let me let me put some feelers out um and uh well actually what even with michael bland i had a little bit of a hand in that um so i went down to bunkers and uh so i'm sitting there and uh, i remember dennis chambers was down there he was in town so I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to go check out Dennis Chambers, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dennis Chambers was killing it, right? And I turned my back for about 15 minutes, and then I noticed the drums, that something about the drums had changed. I turned around, Michael Bland was on the drums. I didn't even know him at the time. And I said, oh, my God, he was murdering the drums, man. <laughs> I mean, murdering. And so I went back the next day. I said, Prince, man, uh, dude. I know who our next drummer is, man. I know who he is. And, man, just go down to Bunkers and, and check him out. He said, Levi, man, I ain't got time to be, you know. I said, I'm telling you, that's our drummer, man. You're going to love this cat. So he went down there and checked him out. Next day, he's like, yep, you're right. That's him. Wow. <laughs> so, so, so we had a drummer. So then Prince told me, he said, now, you remember, I was on bass. For mm-hmm. Love, Sexy, and Sign of Time. So Prince was like, hey, you can go back to guitar if you want because I'm going to bring Sonny in. You know, uh, so we had, so now we got bass, guitar, and drums. And then Matt, no, Matt was there for a little bit. Oh, yeah, Matt was there for a little bit. That's another story. So anyway, um, <laughs> I started thinking about the female presence, and I said, man, now, Prince kind of had a little bit of a bad taste in his mouth from the, the Bonnie thing. Uh, Why so? It was, um, well, I mean, that's a really long story, but basically, you know, with any bands, any bands that you, you, you join, there's always some, some internal problems and some things that maybe shouldn't have went down the way they, they did. Mm. And so he was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to have another female in a band like that, you know? So I said, man, but this female, I'm telling you, man, you got it here. I'm telling you, she's, she ain't Aretha Franklin, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. And he said, really? And he said, I don't know. You, you, you know, but let me, let me check her out. So what I did is I called Rosie and I said, okay, I got an audition for you. I said, but you can't let Prince down. Cause that's my friend, right? He trusted me to uh to you know to audition you and the whole thing so any long story short i fly to minneapolis and i said uh, i go up to prince's apartment i said she's here and he says okay this is what i want you to do he had just written some songs i'm trying to remember what what the name of the songs were but they were written for a female he said have her sing on those and bring when you're done bring it up to here bring it back to me so i can you know, check her out. Cause he didn't want to meet anybody before he knew what the talent level was. Hmm. Right. So I take Rosie in the studio, right. 
man, she killed the both songs in about 25 minutes, <laughs> which is unheard of, right? So I go back up to print. He said, why are you back so quick? I said, man, we knocked it out, man. I told you she was bad, <laughs> right? So we put on the tape, and you should have seen his eyes, man. He's like, that voice is in my studio right now. <laughs> He said, I'm going to say it again. That voice is in my studio? Are you kidding me? He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then he, he's like, he's like, okay, but is, is she going to be cool? Because she can definitely sing, man, but I don't want to be going through no problems. <laughs> and I said, no, nah, she's she cool, man. Well, come down and meet her and stuff. And, you know, so ever since that time, you know, he loved her, man. And, you know, the rest is history. Wow. Okay. Man, you're bringing, mm -hmm. you bringing people together. Well then, Prince Prince went and got Tommy because he was he caught Tommy on another night down in bunkers and he really okay. liked him. So yeah, yeah. So I'm curious, had you? Mm -hmm, so that was the next. Were you? Mm -hmm. Did you already? Did you know uh, Sonny T beforehand? I had heard of him. No. Oh, okay. I heard of him because Prince told me he said you know Sonny was the one that really like Prince was always a great musician, but Sonny Sonny and like I'll let me just put this out here, Sonny. And Michael, like, those are two musicians from a whole other planet, man. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. Their knowledge, and they both have perfect um, perfect pitch, their musical knowledge is beyond normal musicians. Mm. And and, that's, and they're like Avengers, okay? I'm serious, man. Like, they come from another planet, but it's, you know. So anyway, Sonny, Prince told me, he said, man, Sonny really pull some things together for me as far as guitar and bass and stuff. I want to give him a shot. So, yeah. So I hadn't known Sonny, but I heard of him because Prince used to talk about him a lot. Okay. Okay. And, uh, oh, I know I do want to ask you too. Uh, I think this might have, I don't know if this was just before this or when this was happening, but you guys also performed on uh, Saturday Night Live where you did electric right. electric chair, but you guys also had Patrice Russian and uh, was it Margie Cox? Was she up there? Was that like... Uh, a, yeah, and Candy, Candy Dolphin too. Can't, yeah, what, was that like, was that going to be a band at one point or was that just a one-off type of thing? Man, we was, uh, we was, uh, it was uh, a strong contender. Mm, okay. I didn't. I didn't know how it was going to end up, but yeah, we were we kind of heading that way for a second, and then I, I don't really know why it didn't continue, but um, but we were definitely heading that way. Was there a, a well? I assume there would have there was a lot of rehearsals with that configuration, or I mean, we rehearsed all the time, so you know, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that was just a normal thing. Rehearsal, like I said, like drinking water. Okay. Um. Yeah, but we were heading that way for a second. I mean, Prince started to try stuff. Like, I wonder what it sound like if we put this element by element. Mm. So it was that kind of a thing. Were there any other mm -hmm. uh, players or people came through that ended up not being in it, but it was like sort of, let's see what it feels like that you can remember? Mm. Yeah. That was pretty much it as far as, you know, my, my time period. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that happens too, uh, and I'm curious about this. You, how do you transition from being in the band to 
you know, going to you, you, you transition to like on the executive level, right? Where you become the president mm-hmm. of MPG Records. Well, can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, um, that was an interesting time period. Me and Prince had talked, and uh, uh, you know, I had already been through like two or three bands at that point. <clears throat> and so Prince was like, "Man, you know, uh, what do you, what do you think about maybe?" Uh, you know, the executive stuff. And I said, well, you know, I never really, I never really did that kind of stuff. I'm, I am curious about it. Um, I said, I mean, is that something you would like me to like explore? And he says, I'm thinking about it. And he said, don't worry about the music thing because we're always going to record like we've always been doing. And, and then, you know, um, and then you're going to play, you come sit in with us, you know, I know, cause I know you'll miss that. But man, I really, I really need that right now. Mm. And then uh, I'm transitioning to the new band and the whole thing. And uh, so, anyway, long story short, I said okay. Um, and of course, you know, man, I, I, you know, I was just a student, but I, I tried to, I tried to surround myself around people who've done that kind of stuff, and they gave me a lot of pointers. And then, you know, and and at the end of the day, it's still Prince's company. Mm-hmm. You know, so he he taught me a lot of things, and uh, he got some training for me and the whole thing. But that's how basically how that happened. And this is, as I assume, this is after Diamonds and Pearls and the Symbol album. Yeah. Okay. Right. And those albums, you know, Diamonds and Pearls, very successful album. Like y'all, y'all killed that that whole <laughs> the whole rollout and <laughs> all the singles and the videos and everything. That was insanity, man. We'll go back. I want to go back to Diamonds and Pearls for a minute. Um, that album, obviously, that's what really you know Tony M, and is you know very prominent and just a, it's a again a different sound, right on record, mm-hmm. on stage, visually mm-hmm. different. Um, when y'all dropped uh, "Get Off," for instance. To me, that was mm-hmm. such a groundbreaking thing for Prince because I was like, you know, he kind of dibbled and dabbled with hip hop and, you know, trying to get that together. But when they when you dropped that one and I was totally into hip hop at the time, I was rapping all this stuff. So I really was paying attention. But I'm, but I'm a super Prince fan and I, I had to give it up. I was like, damn. Oh, boy, mm-hmm. done, he done done it like this. Is, <laughs> he, he got it. Yeah. He got it for himself. He, it makes sense. It sounds authentic. He's doing his thing. I'm curious when y'all was working on that. Did that record go through some different changes to get to that sound? That that was the- yeah, it did actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Prince Prince used to have this saying. You know, uh, you know, he's very competitive. So he would say, "We can do what y'all can do, but y'all can't do what we can do." <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. So when you apply that to whatever music is going on at the time, you know, he would listen to things and he'd go, okay, but I'm going to do my version of what y'all are trying to do. Mm, <laughs> trying to do. <laughs> well, and he didn't mean it in a bad way. He just felt like, hey, you know, I'm a musician and I work at my craft and I want to I wanna make sure my craft is always in what I do. Mm. You know, some real playing and things like that, so... Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so that's really what that was. He was trying to find a balance between 
the you know just the real playing and the hip hop world. Okay. With a Prince twist on it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that's what that's that's how I would describe that song. And in in terms of like the production and working on that album, was a lot of that stuff. I mean. I'm, I'm talking not necessarily how it sound. It may sound one way, but I'm curious on the actual recording. Was that uh, a lot of band participation and and doing those actual songs that sound like they're band songs? Are they really band playing songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that's one thing he did. He did involve the band a lot in the in the records. Uh, I mean, you got a drummer like Michael Bland. I mean, you got to use that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of band stuff in there. Yeah, definitely for sure. Okay, and then like you know, you know, the next one y'all came with uh, sexy MF, and I remember that mm-hmm. I was like, ah oh, man, and he really had that James feel to it. But uh, my understanding is that did that album kind of start with you a little bit? I mean, I assume that is you saying sex. At first, I thought I always thought that was Prince, but that's you singing that. Sexy mother, is that you? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that, that's me. Yeah, uh, yeah. The story behind that is uh, this is how that song came together. So during the tour, um, I'm, I mean, I, I'm all kind of a class clown. Me and Morris, we be clowning all the time. You know? <laughs> so after the shows, I'm saying, "We some sexy mother, I would just be singing that right, and yeah, I did that for a couple months, right, and then when we got off the tour. We're in the studio recording like we normally do. Prince like, hey, you know that line you be singing up the door? <laughs> yeah, I want to work on that today. So he said, okay, just keep, remember what you sang, and I'll tell you where you're going to sing it at. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, we got in the studio, and we came up with the groove, you know, beat and stuff, and he said, put some chicken grease on it. So, you know, I'm playing them little James Court. So he put the bass line on it, and then we go, bump, bump, bump. He said, sing it right here. <laughs> and that's how that came together wow, wow. yeah okay and that uh-huh. video man is hilarious because uh who that was you you was like the bad guy or something or i don't know if the bad guy but i don't know what y'all yeah. was playing but y'all was clowning hard at the beginning of that video <laughs> and mm-hmm. and what was the what was the whole thing with the, the aunt esther uh fan you know pictures of her and the fan and what was that all about uh, I mean that's just that's us being very playful. Okay. We we were uh we were, we were fans of you know the the comedy back then and mm. Red Fox now. I mean you know we all grew up on that kind of stuff and and we just thought it'd be cool to like man we need we need to have some church fans with on us and face on it, <laughs> you know. And then Prince's world, you got resources where if you think of something and he likes it. You can make it happen. And next okay. thing we know, we got a whole bunch of church fans with honest face on it. Wow. Okay. And the fans like, oh, this is cool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about Prince, it's like, he's very intense, but he's very funny. He seemed like, yeah. You know, he's he's very funny. Very Man, he'll have him dying, man. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we did a lot of little things like that. So, but that was, that was fun. And I got one other weird fan question I, now I'm thinking about it there was the cream like 12 inch release or whatever maxi single these <laughs> date myself mm-hmm. but throughout that there was like these conversations like somebody was calling somebody on the phone you I assume you know what I'm talking about 
Uh, do you remember? Uh, I'm going back. It was like it was. I, I don't know who it was was speaking, but they were like talking about Prince. He's like, oh, he just make limousine music and they're calling somebody on the phone, and then it would be segue with that between the music. I always wonder what was that. I assume uh, it was some inside thing, but I don't know. You might yeah, it was on. The, it was on the maxi single or the album. No, it was on a maxi single, like a twelve inch. It was for Cream, the one for Cream. Oh, okay. You know what? I got to go back and listen at that. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure it was Prince's idea, whatever it was. <laughs> it, it was hilarious. So I was always trying to understand what was it referencing. Because, you know, it, it seemed like it was so inside. I didn't know what the hell. It was just that it was funny. It sounded yeah. like a clown or some older person or something. But I, I don't know. But uh, oh, Okay. Yeah, I got to pull that back up. But uh, were, they, were they talking about Tootsie Pops and things like that? And- no. Nah. I just remember he was like no. Prince. It was like somebody who knew Prince from back in the day or something. He was like, oh, he just, he done changed now. He does limousine music or something. He ain't, you know. Oh, okay. Oh, was it based off of that Bob George voice? No, no, not at all. No, mm-hmm. no, not, not at all. Okay, not yeah. All. I got to listen at that, man. I, I hit you back up on that. Okay, yeah. They have, but you yeah. have, but they had some cuts on there. Was, uh, you guys had like a remix of, uh, Cream was like, do your dance, do your dance. Oh dance. yeah, that was tight, man. It, those those maxi singles was like albums, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Yep, yep. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see here. And so, oh, and, and I was another thing. On some, and I had some people were asking some questions online that wanted to ask. Going back to. Uh, uh, the three chains of gold, you know that home video thing that mm-hmm. guys have put out. In that video, it, it, the kind of storyline, uh, it was some of the stuff was like you guys were kind of wondering, like what was Maite's role in the group, and, and this and that. I, I, I'm assuming that was just all for, you know, theatrics or or were you. What did you guys? You know what I'm talking about. Was that for theatrics, or was there like was that a real conversation that the band members were having? I, I, I'll say this without giving everything away. I say about half and half. Mm. You know, some of it was uh, some of it scripted, but some of it was real. <laughs> okay, All right. you know, it's kind of like when you watch when you watch Purple Rain. You know, some stuff you like it's based on fact. Mm. Right, Same it might be it might be embellished a little bit, but it's kind of based on fact a little bit. I got you. I got you. So it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Say no more. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's bring things up to the present. No, I wanted to ask you. This is a, a lot of people were asking me to ask you this, and hopefully you can speak on it. If you can't, I can respect that. Why or what sort of uh, made you, or how did you transition from? Uh, you know, being with the Prince camp and then, you know, moving out of that situation? Um, that, you know, that, that for me, make a long story short, it's kind of like, um, I understood Prince, like, when Pr- Prince is a very creative person, in order to be creative, your, your your environment needs to change. Mm. Um, sometimes the people around you, um, and I'm I, I'm also like that too. You know, um, in my home studio, man, I'm I'm constantly I'm buying new pictures, painting stuff. 
you know, I needed to, to change or evolve or do something. And that, that comes a point, you know, I, I have been there for a minute. I, you know, a lot of the bands, I'm at the office and the whole thing. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's probably time to go. Hmm. Um, just to see, you know, because um, I felt like it was graduation, you know. Um, it's, it's not really about learning new things. I wanted to take those things and see what I could get into after that. Okay. Um, and also, I mean, it's hard to say goodbye in a situation like that. I love Prince, man. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I think we both know, we both knew it's like, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like time to end this, but we don't really know how to end it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but with blessings, you know, that kind of thing. So that's basically what it was in a nutshell. And, um, you know, then I, you know, went on work with the, with Child of Blackness and, mm -hmm. Um, do some stuff with Jimmy and Terry and, uh, and then Vinci Raphael and uh, the Tonys and Jody Watley. All these type of things happen afterwards, you know. Um, but I, it was, it was, it's kind of a mutual thing. But it was weird because we were good friends also. And then how do you, how do you say bye, you know? So that's basically in a nutshell. All right. It's funny. I, a lot of, people I've asked of, you know, their time with Prince and they, you know, when they leave Prince, I've heard that same sort of thing was like, I wasn't really learning. It wasn't too much for me to learn in that situation no more. And, you know, it was time to right. move on type of thing. And that's called graduation. You know, okay. that's, that's all it is. You know, it's like, I mean, do you have children? I do. Yes, I do. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, at, at, it, the, the greatest feeling any parent can have, is that the child can leave one day and be self-sufficient mm, okay? and take the things that you taught them. You know, I mean that to me, that should be the goal. Right. You know, if you, if you've done your parenting right, you will create a self-sufficient adult. Okay. Okay. And then they gonna have their experiences and whatever. And you still talk to them sometimes. But they kind of making their own mark, and that—that's what it's kind of about. I mean, that's kind of I think where the new power generation is now. You know, mm. I mean, we we uh we started working on some new material, you know, and uh, so now we have to take what we learned from Prince and say, okay, you know, what what can we do? And, and speaking you of speaking, yeah, and speaking of that, you guys are new material. Do you guys do you guys feel like the pressure? Uh, you know, on making that new music, like the okay, it's got to be you know this or that or whatever. Or... No, I think I think the way we're looking at it is we we can't nobody can do what Prince did. Nobody can do that, but we can take that that sound that he liked, which was part of some of his records, um, which is and, and do do what we do with that. You know what I mean and see what comes of that. It's kind of like our new singer, Mackenzie. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the biggest compliment I hear from fans is that he's not trying to be Prince. Right, right. That's what they love about it. They, that's the last thing they want to see is somebody up there with a purple suit on <laughs> trying to hit the splits. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're like, man, you you know, you do do what you do, and uh, it'll be cool. And so that's why I don't, I don't really feel any pressure because the fans don't want that either. They they want to they want to they want to hear you know what we can do. Of course they want you know they want to hear a little bit of the influence there you know, mm -hmm. 
But other than that, they're just saying, hey, just do y'all thing, man. So I don't think we feel any pressure. We're very excited about the new music, though. And, and uh, we'll, see, we'll see what everybody thinks when we get done. How, how does it feel for you uh, getting back on stage uh, with, you know, with, your, with your guys in the MPG and, and out there hitting the road again and, and doing shows and stuff? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's great. It's wonderful. Uh, it's, it's interesting to hear, hear that music when all of us are on the stage at the same time, because we all play with a lot of different people. But when we, when we get together on the same stage, you're like, ah, that's the sound. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it takes all of us to make that sound. So, but even bigger than that is, I never thought we'd be able to do this um, in the in the absence of Prince. Mm. I didn't. I thought I never thought the fans would be okay with it. You know what I mean. So I'm amazed at that every every night that they they like you know they know Prince is not there, mm-hmm. but it's weird. It feels like he is, but I know he's not, and they're okay with that. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's very deep thing for me, man. I'm curious. You know, I, and I know what you mean, but in terms of, but you, how do you, I assume you're okay with it, but were you at first sort of resistant to it maybe, or because of that, or? I, I didn't really know um, what, I didn't, I, you know, I guess I was looking for a thumbs up to say that it's okay mm-hmm. for us to do it. And then I didn't really know how much we were going to do it. Because, you know, we did the, uh, when Prince, when he first died, we did those, you know, tribute shows and the Paisley celebration. After that, I really didn't know, like, how much of this that they wanted to hear. Um, but, you know, they were like, hey, we, we want to hear as much as we can. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a thumbs up, like, it's okay. If you guys want to play, we want to hear it. If you don't, we understand. You know, it was cool. It's just love, you know what I mean? Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Have you guys? Yeah, yeah. Has there ever been a discussion among everybody um, about doing just like a big sort of thing where it's like you know MPG and Revolution and just you know all of them coming together to do something? Yeah, I, I think that Prince wouldn't have it any other way. So um, that's always in our mind. Um, Pulling together has been a little bit of a challenge, but we, we, we're still working on it. Okay. And I'm, I'm not going to rest on my end until that actually happens. And there's a lot of people who feel the same. So yeah. it's, it's, it's going to happen. I just don't know when, but we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pull it together. That's good because that's, that's something I, would, I know a lot of people, will, we want to see everybody united, you know right. what I'm saying, doing their thing because – that that would be, I mean for us as a fans I, we love all y'all so we just like yo we want to see that, yeah that, you know when you when you you and it's you brought, your family man yeah and you brought it up the Avengers right like the Avengers is dope when you get to see you know Captain America and Black Panther and you know what I mean like when they all really come together then it's like oh shit okay so that's what we want to I want to see Wendy Miko. Levi all rocking mm-hmm. out, you know, and then I want to see Sonny, you know, da da da, da Bob, or, you know, so, but yeah, man. 
Right. Um, Mm-hmm. And also, you guys have a, a, a very great show coming up September 13th at First Avenue NPG. You guys are doing, uh, I guess, actually your first official concert there, right? Yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Um, it's, it's pay-per-view and the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, we're still working on some special guests. We're pulling it all together, man. Okay. And then you got, uh, this is also going to be in conjunction with uh, PRN alumni uh, mm-hmm. as well. So shout out yeah, to yeah. them. Um, listen. I mean, it's going to be a big family thing, yeah. Okay. When's the last time you, well, I guess you you, you, you guys, uh, you don't live in Minneapolis, do you? No, I don't. Okay. No. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine you go, you kind of going back and forth between there. You staying? Were you back in the Bay Area now? Or? Oh yeah, I've been in the Bay for a minute. Oh okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And as we wrap up here, some of the other, give me some of the names of other people you've been playing with. You, you mentioned uh, Tony, Tony, Tony. Uh, you did some stuff with Jody Watley too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, her single that's out now. It's, I got it's a lot of guitar on there. Uh, and uh, we wrote some stuff together. I don't know if it's going to be on a new record, but uh, I, I toured with her for about four years. Wow. And then the Tonys, and then Raphael, and the Sounds of Blackness. And then currently, um, uh, just did a single with Lenny Williams from Tower. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, it just came out like a couple weeks ago. What's the name of this? We got to look this up. It's called, it's called Fine. Fine, okay. If I if I in here, look it up. Tell me what you think. Yeah, we'll check. And we're working on a uh, working on an EP right now. Um, then the, there's uh, there's some local artists. Corey Deport, he got a song on there. And then Nisi Robinson. Okay. Dee Dee Simon out here in the Bay Area. The Latoya London, the for American Idol. She oh, been really? through here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, trying to cook up some new stuff. Levi's in the lab getting busy. <laughs> I'm trying, man. <laughs> yeah, trying. You, you doing it, bro. You doing it. Listen, man, I really appreciate you sitting down with us man, and sharing these great stories uh, and listening to your journey uh, as you've been moving and doing mm-hmm. your thing. Started at six years old in the church. Would you call it the cigar mm-hmm. c- c- cigar guitar? What do you call it? Uh, cigar box guitar. <laughs> cigar box guitar. Being in the church, boy, you better get them notes right before you get slapped upside the head. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. Um, yeah. Where can people uh, find you online? Is, you have like a website or are you on Twitter or something? Where, where can they reach out to you and say thank uh, you? you? Just my Facebook page and uh, Instagram. Okay. Uh, I don't. I do a little bit of Twitter, but mainly Facebook and Instagram. All right, all right. And I'm and I'm a, I'm gonna be adding more, but I'm you know I'm getting older now, so <laughs> ain't no excuse. <laughs> and, right, right. And last thing, actually, here's the last thing, man. What did you uh, what did you learn from Prince during your time working with him? What did I learn? Say it again. What, what did you What did you learn from Prince during your time uh, working with him? Um, you know, like God, God gave us all different talents. So nobody, nobody's bigger than the next person, mm-hmm. but it'd be a shame if, if you've been given a talent and you don't use it 
or nurture it. You know, that's that's the real scam. God gave you a gift to do something and you don't do nothing with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was the point? You know what I mean? So Prince used to always say, man, hey, God, he gave us different gifts. And so, so if we want to honor God with that, then we need to practice. We need to work. We need to do what we got to do to take it to the highest level that we can within reason. I mean, you got to have a life too. You know what I mean? Mm. Can't be totally absorbed. Um, and then, um, you know, to, to try, try to be decent human beings and, and, and care for one another. And if you got something, man, try to help somebody out, you know, help them out. Um, cause you're going to need some help one day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and just and just go and don't be lazy. That's the, I think that's if I summed it up in one word. Don't be lazy. Do something. Mm. Get up. Prince had a saying. Um, he wrote in a song. Uh, Nothing comes to dreamers but dreams. Nothing comes to talkers but sound. I dig it. I right. Dig and then I'm like, you know what I mean? It's like that's true. Quit talking. Go do something. Quit dreaming. Go do something. Mm. There it is. Yes. There it is. Mr. Levi mm-hmm. Caesar Jr., you've been listening to the Prince podcast here on Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean. As I always say, work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace. Yeah.